0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to remind you to check out the Mina Kim show featuring Lenny, which is now out twice a week. Every Tuesday, Mina highlights the winners and losers from the weekend with Dominique Foxworth. Then later in the week, she's joined by different experts to preview the most intriguing games. That's the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on?
1: Friday. It's a Foxworth Friday on Friday. Too. Oh, did we have it on Friday last week? Yeah, yeah, we back. Yeah, we was we back. We back. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's some good stories, some good games. I wish yeah. we could bring our, our um our text messages to the air sometimes. <laughs> I know we can't, but yes, we're gonna yes. give y'all a better version of the text chat.
0: Yes, I wish we could. I'm glad we don't. By the way, <laughs> you, you're looking mighty brazy over there, dog. Uh,
1: Doing things are all right over
0: here you know just saying you know I just looked at the hoodie i was like oh yeah man that's that's that is looking good and brazy yeah.
1: i went shopping in new york last week and i forgot um what it's like because like i've been with my wife for I me mean, we've been married for 12 years and we've been uh like dating for longer than that obviously and i think a lot of guys can relate to this guys like you Bomani, and me who like aren't necessarily like into fashion like what's happening but when you meet somebody new and they take you to figure out what's up with your style because you haven't paid enough attention to it. Like my wife was treating me like we just met. <laughs> took me to Bloomingdale, took me to a couple other places. But yeah, first she took me to the expensive places where she shops. And I was like, nah, we got let's step it down a notch. And then hooked me up, spent some bucks on some clothes. And I was feeling good.
0: Yeah, now the biggest thing for me on that was, oh, so none of my clothes fit. Got it. <laughs> Didn't quite did, look once we got yeah. out of the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I was like, you have to realize we had a good decade where yeah. what does fit mean?
1: It was all wrong. I had to figure out my size when I was like 24. Yes. I was learning my size for the first time, and that was that was the first uh time when when Ashley helped me with my style. I was still rocking baggy stuff and still, uh, yeah, it's just it was just bad. And I think Hove was talking about. Fresh pair of G's and button ups, and we was all doing that. And yes. she was like, Nah, that ain't gonna cut it, that don't fit. <laughs> Yo, it's so wild. Jay Z ain't never been like the dude that we thought was
0: fly ever, but he told us it's time to wear button ups. And all of a sudden, not only was he buying button ups, I would go to stores that had signs in the window that said Jay Z shirts. <laughs>
1: You know how, I guess the young people don't remember shopping malls, but you know how you you know what's popping is what they sell it at the kiosk in the mall. Mm-hmm. Not what's in the stores, but because the kiosk, they could turn over so quick. Yes. And I remember mm-hmm. it was overnight. They went from from bootleg uh, throwbacks to white tees, and then from white tees overnight to, like, you could get a button up in the kiosk. It's like, <laughs> they're you don't need to know your neck size. That's you not know, those type of buttons.
0: No. no, no, no. You know what? That's telling me, actually, I think about it like the power of Jay-Z. Because it wasn't that Jay-Z was telling us how to dress. It's that Jay-Z was telling us how to live. Right? Yeah. It was just like your lifestyle is inappropriate <laughs> in these big old shirts that you are yeah. wearing. So he told us that we needed to start wearing button-up shirts. And so, of course, that meant we were wearing the most ridiculous button-up shirts. And that included Jay-Z. Right. Like it wasn't like, damn, Jay-Z look clean in that button up. It is. Jay-Z has told us that we are living bootleg and that we don't want to do that anymore.
1: He was never fly, though, but we'd certainly let him steer us. I, I, he was on the early stages of uh, I mean, I just have memories of him in videos where like wearing uh, Michelin Ness throwbacks like he was doing that stuff. We was doing it. I feel like the big pimpin video brought on a bunch of tank tops. That was yes. before the G-Unit tank top. Everybody was wearing tank tops to pool parties. Like, ah. <laughs> and Jay-Z don't got nail muscle, but he's <laughs> around in a tank top.
0: Hey, man, he brought he, and he brought that tank top back out for that Lemonade uh, 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 v- collection of visual videos. That uh, right there is the most humbling moment of the Jay-Z experience. Is when she had him out there looking like a $5 pillow in that white tank top. Just lumpy. All over the place. And it was like, man, you really that's how we knew. Oh, this isn't fiction at all. You was you was out here
1: fing up. You know what? I mean, this it's a loose link, but it ties a little bit to like my biggest takeaway from the Daniel Snyder story is like what it means to be like in a relationship that is also like competitive. And one thing I've always learned about like those type of, and they're often business relationships. But for Jay-Z and Beyonce, you could argue part of it is business too, is you got to give people a graceful exit. Like no matter what, you, we don't think about that because we think about business as, comp- as competition. So you're like, all right, I'm going to beat them. But the thing about business is it's not that type of competition where it's understood and then you shake hands afterwards. You need to allow a person that you're going to continue to work with in the future you need to allow them a graceful exit. And it feels like right now with Daniel Snyder, and I guess I'm jumping ahead for people who haven't read the story, but for right now for Daniel Snyder, they have not offered him a graceful exit. And it's not a direct comparison, but the similar thing is when you hear people talk about Russia versus Ukraine, it's like, you gotta give Putin a way that he can walk away and save face. Because if you don't, he might press that red button.
0: Now, let's set this up for people. If you have not seen it, uh, it's one of those days where you wake up and Van Nata and Seth Wickersham mm. and uh, Tisha Thompson, who doesn't look like you think, um, had a story out <laughs> all together. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm surprised it took you too long. took you so long on that one. I, no, remember I was, first-
1: I was trying to bite my tongue because <laughs> I didn't want to alert the the listeners.
0: <laughs> no, they knew, they knew what time it was. They've been listening to me for a long time. This is one uh, of my things. Like, what do y'all going to go tell Tisha? Ooh, nobody talk about you just to make sure that there's an understanding here. I saw her byline for the first time, and I was like, oh, I'm surprised I've never met her before. And then I looked at the picture and was like, Oh, she don't be in it, today, BJ? Yeah, oh, exactly. got it, got it. She might mess around to get an award by accident from us one year
1: <laughs> i was also like man how she get in them back rooms don't nobody be telling <laughs> us. they don't tell us nothing Yo, they think they're gonna tell they're gonna tell tisha something and then i clicked on the profile pic it was like oh yeah not yeah. that tisha. yeah
0: yeah no 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 it's not that but they got a story about dan snyder and i had been saying for the longest about this like i felt very vindicated as soon as i saw the headline Because I've been trying to, not even try to figure out, it just seemed very clear to me. They were able to get uh, Jerry Richardson to keep it moving after that story came out. Uh, If you look in the NBA, it was a little bit of a hiccup, but they were able to get Robert Sarver to keep it moving. They've been wanting to get Dan Snyder out of here, right? We had the, the CEO of FedEx trying to get him out of here. And he managed to survive. And the only thing that made sense to me was, oh, they think he'll burn the whole place down on the way out. And there is a quote in this story that basically says, he'll burn all our houses down. Like the whole thing was just laying out that Dan Snyder, apparently done got, this is such a rich person move, right? He went and got all his PIs out there in these streets, on all the owners, on Roger Goodell. And if they ever try to get him up out of there, he's prepared to burn the whole thing down. That's the reason that he's managed to stick around. Like, uh, you you a Godfather guy? Oh, yeah. So, Godfather two, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Hagen comes up to the jail, and he's talking through the fence to Frank Pentangeli, and he's making it very clear to him. You have dishonored yourself. You know what you got to do. Exactly. And then we come back, and he laid out in that bathtub, mm-hmm. right? All, you know, blood-dripping everywhere right and he did it with him in such a way that he laid out you know what the history is right Frankie you love history and Frank just said it all himself and was like oh okay guess that's what it is that's what they were able to do with like a Jerry Richardson that's what they were able to do with a Robert Sarver Dan Snyder ain't about no honor Dan Snyder ain't about no history he ain't about no precedent that's not the game that that man plays. and He is ready to scrap this out because owning this team means something to him that it doesn't really mean to anybody else in the league. Nobody, like, this is his childhood team, right? What he is is the owner of the Washington football team. I guess they're the commandos now, right? Mm -hmm. That's his identity. That's all of it. And they want to get this dude out of here so bad, and nobody's trying to be the one to step up and make it
1: happen because they know he going to wreck shop. I think that we, all of us who are not multi-billionaires, owners of teams, I think we always uh, fall back on when they got so much money. Like, I don't care. I'll walk away from how much money he gonna make. But once you get to a certain amount of dollars, and even for me, like, there's nowhere near that money. But, like, once you get a certain amount of money, like, the impact on your life for more or less money is marginal. So, like, if Daniel Snyder sells the team, he's not gonna live a better life than he lives now. He's gonna live the exact same existence, but be the disgraced owner, and also not own a football team and be less relevant. So trying to figure out how to get people to understand how somebody would be like, no, I'm not selling for billions of dollars is, I couldn't quite figure out what the right analogy is for people to understand how important this person, this thing is to him, other than like thinking of like family members or like, your place in your family and that's what it felt like to me because it's like his identity is tied up in that and we always talk about this in our country is like rich compared to most other nations in the world so i heard you and wasney talking about this on the last episode and like our american poverty sucks but it ain't like Poverty in some of them <laughs> continent countries and um and some of them islands and yeah you know South America like that's a different type of poverty. So I imagine that the distance between like a poor person here and a poor person in a uh, favela in Brazil, like theoretically, is similar to the distant difference in lifestyle for me to Daniel Snyder. And so, if you ask a poor person in America, like, hey, or if you ask a poor person in one of these other countries, they would look at people in America like, what are you complaining about? Right. And that's the same way, as a roundabout way to say, that's how Dan Snyder probably feels, is we're looking at him, but he's like, no. And live like them? No thanks. <laughs> the thing for
0: him is, this is who he is. Like, exactly. if you want to make another comparison to the other end of the economic spectrum, it's kind of like when people start talking about Hey, man, this coal thing, C-O-A-L, coal, mm-hmm. it, it's over, man. Y'all need yeah. to get in here and start learning how to code. Exactly. And, but they're like, yo, but this is what we do. This is who we are, right? Dan Snyder, who he is, is the owner of the Commandos, right? That's who he is when he walks in all these rooms. That's who. That's the reason why when you say his name, you don't have to explain who he is. Like His identity is firm in that. The other thing is... It's not like he'd be selling high, right? Like, yes, in theory, he'll be selling high because he paid like $800, $800 million for the team and now it's worth over $5 billion. But he would be selling in shame. He yeah. would be selling because they told him to sell and he don't want to sell. Like, that was the thing with Donald Sterling, when they made him sell the team. They're like, oh, what a punishment. He gets these billions of dollars. Huge punishment for that man because that's the man that don't sell nothing, Right. Like, you're never going to be able to bring these rich people to their knees unless you throw them in jail. You, like That's not that's not going to happen. But with him, he does not want to give up this team. You're like, yeah, well, you got all the money, but what I'm going to do now, exactly. right? Where am I going? What room am I getting into? And so for the league, I found this to be interesting because the point that they bring up, and I don't think that people think enough about this one, he's dragging down the bottom line. Like, it, they, think about this, right? They built that stadium, and they built that stadium in 1997, I want to say is the year that it opened. It's too big, right? Like, they it, it built it with 90,000 seats. 90,000 seats is too many seats, but it ain't like they never sold the bad boy out before, right? Yep. Capacity at that stadium now has been taken down to 64,000 seats in a top 10 market they can only sell sixty-four thousand tickets at most to an nfl game Crazy. that's it that's it when people show up it's way deep for the other side like when the eagles rolled up in there it was mighty green in there and you live in dc yep it is so wild to me how indifferent he has turned one of the more rabid franchises in the league. Now, look, you ain't going to get me out here lying about the history of the team. People are like, oh, the yeah. team has so much history. The team has the Joe Gibbs era. The rest yeah. of it, they're one of the worst franchises in the history of the NFL. But people still loved them. They still turned out. They still went crazy about them. Nobody a... cares. Yeah.
1: And they had, like, a poor racial history also. So, like, you got a lot of Cowboys fans here, which you and I have talked about before. Um, I feel like they're around the RG3 uh, drafting there was like some they won some people back, but they can't do anything well consistently. But to your point about the money, it's the most populous or not populous, the wealthiest like area in the country, close like up there for that to not also be at least a top five revenue generator for the league is shameful. And to not be able to get a stadium built and all that other stuff is like shameful in the eyes of all the rest of uh, the owners in the league. So that'll get them to hate you. This other stuff is interesting because I don't think they care too much about this other stuff, but it's a reason they can use to push them out. The same with with um with Donald Sterling or yeah Robert Sarver. It's like if they don't mess with you, which is normally because of the business practices, then They're going to find if they find a way to get you out, then they're going to get you out. Yeah.
0: And the other stuff is the stuff that Congress has been on them about. Right. The culture of sexual harassment and everything else. Um, Also, in the story that I found interesting, another on that I told y'all, I told y'all not to get so gassed up about Jason Wright, that Uh, black dude who got that job working for them. Now, part of why I felt that way was everything on his resume looked like, one of the white dudes they were hired, he just happened yep. to be black. Like, McKenzie and all of that stuff. I was like, let's get a little show and prove. But in fairness to Jason Wright, he ain't really got the chance to show and prove. Because my point also was, he's still working for Dan Snyder, right? Like, if Dan Snyder thought there was a problem with the culture, the culture wouldn't have been the culture. Like, it's not like Dan Snyder's going to be over your shoulder. Like, you got to fix things. And What? Apparently my man seems to be a bit of a figurehead. Like where where he got the job and boy, this is being Black in corporate America. He gets yeah. the job, he the CEO and the COO out here telling people now nah, run that by me. Yeah. Right. That's terrible. And that and that guys out of there, women who have been in high positions as they've, you know, claimed they trying to fix things, they're out of there and it sounds like they don't feel like Jason Wright is actually empowered to actually do anything to make any changes. In the situation. But it gets back to what we talked about with Sarva, man. It's a tough go because the team ain't yours. The team is his. His. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's hard to turn back on. And this comes up in sports. And I don't think people really get this. It's general. People stop going to a business when they hate the owner. Right? Like your favorite restaurant. If the manager come break bad with you. You're not coming back. Like, That's if a fair. waiter messes up something or whatever, you might let that slide. But if you don't support the proprietor, like, uh, are you familiar with the, uh, the Slutty Vegan uh, restaurant in Atlanta?
1: Mm-hmm. Right,
0: it's a big thing. So, Pinky, the woman uh, who runs that empire, CAU, by the way, um, I was on a panel with her. And the point that she made always was about selling a business. It's like, to sell a business is to sell a story. Like, you got to give people a story, a narrative that they can believe in, and then you go from there. The story that Dan Snyder is given is one now that nobody believes in. The story at first is that he was self-made, right? A kid that grew up rooting for this team. And then at like 31 years old, he was able to go make it happen. They don't have a story to sell right now. And so you're mediocre and you don't have a story to sell?
1: Man, listen. Yeah. I think he was 34 when he bought the team. And the idea of everything that we do, we have so many choices. Everything we do says something about us you know and uh, it says something about us to other people and it says something about us to ourselves and being associated with when they were called the redskins you don't want that like most people particularly in a very liberal part of the country like uh washington dc most people like yeah i don't want to be associated with that and then you go from that to the biggest um outward face of this is dan snyder and he's associated in the whole organization is uh being accused of all types of sexual misconduct workplace sexual harassment all that stuff it's like mm, i don't want to be associated with that like in these circles you don't be like yeah i'm going to the to the to the skins game like <laughs> can you imagine like wealthy left-wing people out here in dc like yeah i'm going to the skins game it's all that and it's like yeah i'm going to I'm going to go watch, even now, I'm going to watch the Commanders and support Dan Snyder. Like, this is a. Nobody wants that to be. A, you, you. Like, Starbucks coffee isn't delicious, but it says something about who you are if you're walking around with a Starbucks mug. And the same is true, uh, and probably even more true, uh, about the sports team that you are associated with. Even though the Wizards haven't been good, ain't nobody ashamed to go support <laughs> the Leon sisters. They are fine with that. The Caps winning championships. The. Uh, the Nationals won a championship and making some real silly decisions, but all that stuff is happening, but their brand is not tainted to this degree by decades of foolishness by Dan Snyder. So, yeah, he yeah. I don't know. He thinks that instead in the piece that he thinks that if he could get the right quarterback, it would make everything better and make us and build a stadium i don't know if it would because it doesn't change the fact that i guess then the quarterback becomes the face that people are comfortable being associated with well the question is how right does the quarterback have to be because also something that
0: was also interesting in story that confirmed you know because he technically ain't the owner of the team right right now right he's not in charge but they filled in something everybody else could have guessed let's go get carson wentz Mm -hmm. totally a dan snyder move right like that is such a dan snyder move let's go get carson wentz and you see how that one is working out. Got Ron Rivera out here saying things that he don't even need to say about that man. What's <laughs> uh, it, 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 uh, it it the, the judge between us and the rest of the thing? So, duh, quarterback. They play. They in a division with Daniel Jones, and they out here, and he's out here like, yeah, no, nah, issue for us is quarterback. Not that he's wrong. Yeah, just didn't need to say it out
1: loud. You're not new here. Yeah, when I heard that, the first thing I thought was that was directed at somebody else. Carson Wentz is collateral damage. And now (laughs) it seems to be quite clear after this piece came out is that that was directed at Daniel Snyder. Cause like if Ron Rivera, as was reported, Brought Carson Wentz in. I ain't never seen nobody treat their own project like that. No, <laughs> that's not. You know, like that ain't what you do. If you bring uh, some mac and cheese and you like put a little too much salt in it, you gonna you gonna try to work around. You like it's all right. It's gonna it's gonna be okay. But if somebody else bring it, you are gonna be whispering behind their back. Mm, they try to give us high blood pressure all that salt in that mac and cheese. <laughs> like it, it seemed quite clear because that's how you behave when it ain't your project and your name ain't on it. Man, this this is that. There's so
0: much that's gonna go on there. The question is this though: Are they gonna be able to get him out? Cause this was a pretty who you know. Don and Seth uh, Tisha, I'm less familiar with her NFL work, right? So I don't mm-hmm. want to act like she's not here. But Don and Seth, I'm very familiar with what they've done with this somebody is like, yo, we got to get this dude out of here, man, right? How are we going to do it? We are going to express our exasperation we're trying to get out of here and our fear that he is going to expose us all. I actually think one of the funniest stories in there, apparently in 2003, Dan Snyder tried to get the Super Bowl played in Washington. And you got to understand that the only outside cold weather Super Bowl that we've intentionally had before was that one in New York. That one in New York. You see, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yep, it was exactly. in New York, right? We, we talk about New York. And by the way, that was in January of 2014. In 03, Dan Snyder knew he was swimming upstream trying to make that happen. And he didn't get it and went off when he did <laughs> not get it. Apparently, the owners of the Cardinals, the Bidwells, are beloved, which, by the way, tells you a lot about NFL owners if you know anything about the Bidwells. And you ain't gonna tell me them jokers are contributing to the bottom line. But anyway, he like launched a broadside against the wrong people because you know that's a venerable. I mean, they've been owning that team for almost a century. Like they've had that bad boy forever in what they were doing. And Snyder went and bombed them, so he got no homies in the owners' ranks other than Jerry Jones.
1: And the story wanted to make it clear. Jerry Jones ain't really his homie no more. I don't want to make any leaps, but given who was involved in the story uh-huh. and how the story was framed, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, it all comes down to, yeah, some people ain't, ain't got your back no more. Yeah, like, like, like I read that, and I was like, a bit Bob Craft ain't got your back no more. Mm-hmm. I bet mean,
0: Jerry ain't got your back no more. Mm-hmm. And if Jerry don't have his back, he got a problem. But what can they do? Because I do believe he'll burn everything down.
1: He is in this for Dan Snyder. Hard stop. I mean, that's back to my point about understanding that you got to give people a graceful exit. And he don't want a graceful exit. He don't want to exit at all. But you got to think from your perspective strategically, like, how am I going to help this person walk away with their dignity? Because it's all about making decisions. And you want you either want one thing to be so attractive they can't refuse it. Or one result to be so devastating, they can't accept it. And they're not giving him anything. Cause like right now it feels like the option is walk away in shame or stay here and blow everything up. <laughs> they, they quarter my man, which I think is a, a risky move. If that's what you want to do.
0: I would make this argument though. It is entirely possible that they offered him the graceful exit or yeah, not. That, no, not that they offered it to him. That the plan was to offer it to him, and they're like, "Dan, I just want to talk to you about what's going on. With this, you know, with these other owners, you know, and what's happening here." And his first thing is, "I'm gonna tell you right now, I ain't selling." <laughs> yep. Right, 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 right. You you ain't got to say another word. Like, Dan, 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 Dan. No, 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 no. You think I can't tell what's going on here? Right, right, right. You think I open a Chinese restaurant in the middle of the hood and I don't know what's going on? I f-ing represent. I am not selling this team. Right. Oh, okay. Wait. Okay, look, look, Dan. Dan, we want to talk about something else, but clearly this is not a good time. So we'll just call you a little bit later, maybe see if we can set another time and get this thing figured out there is no way that you could propose the graceful exit for this man because he don't want to exit Exit. i would think in a time like this y'all need to be talking to who is technically the owner of the team you need to be going to tanya and being like Mm -hmm. look you've been through a lot you know how important life is and how these moments are precious this stuff you know this stuff ain't even important right like like don't you have things that you want to do don't you have places that you want to go you know like they never they, that's their best bet is to try to go through her trying what to go makes through you him think which,
1: i mean what makes you think she want him to have more free time she might be Fair. going to these places that she want to go right now without anybody that would get on his nerve like in the first part of the piece it hits on what i think is one of the most important points is he's lonely like it, i it, You need to keep a tether to reality and a tether to society, no matter how big. And I think it's probably impossible to do when you get to a certain level, which is why it feels like at least all the billionaires that we know of, are weird as as hell. Mm -hmm. But it feels like he got successful. He got this team and he just got increasingly isolated. He got increasingly tied up in this being his identity. And now he's at a point where he has nothing that means anything in life to him other than this team which is like all right well if nothing else means anything then we can't offer you anything and and we want to get you out and you don't want anything other than this there's no alternative yeah that guy is a dangerous guy if he has all the information that the piece suggests that he has which i'll see why he don't but we'll see if it goes there what has ever made that man cool in his life
0: this 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 is the coolest thing he's ever been, the coolest thing he will ever be. This is what he's got. And it's worth noting, he bought this team from the estate of a man who has a legitimate argument for being the greatest owner in the history of professional sports. When he died, Michael Wilbon wrote a column that was like, look, I was never close with him. That was not my guy. He's the best owner in the history of professional sports.
1: What was Mike's argument? Well, I you got to, to, to keep in, in that mind picture. that
0: he had the Lakers, and oh yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you got, know, you he had you. that run, and then they made, you know, they won those three championships, right. got the stadium built, you know, uh, and That's keeping bad. in mind, he did this with a historically dreadful franchise. Like we, we, it's if you are my age, I'm 42, you don't think of Washington that way because they won three Super Bowls in nine years in your lifetime, but. You take those years, you take the Joe Gibbs years out of the sample. The only team with a worse winning percentage that like goes back is the Cardinals. Like that's how big, go, go look up the history of that football team. They, so with Cook, if you were the man that oversaw this team becoming a winner. Right. Yeah, you got a you got a pretty strong argument there um, in place. And so yeah, that's what Washington fans went from like one of these i'll do what it takes and to be fair to snyder he is a, i'll do what it takes guy
1: he just don't know what it takes he just be doing yeah. stuff no he thinks he knows what it takes <laughs> and he's like oh i know what it is is this guy bring him on and it never quite works but yeah he wants to be i, I think this is all connected to like he is the most important thing in his life it's when he's cool and he wants to be involved and like not committed involved like the kind of involved that you can only be when you own something you can mm-hmm. pop in and make big time decisions despite not putting in whatever work or effort. I mean that's one thing about Jerry Jones that I mean it's, you can criticize him for a lot of things but he's always like been fully engaged. Like he's not a part-time Cowboys owner. Like he does the things that need to be done and he's also like Probably the best businessman that, or marketer, at least, that they've had in these ranks. And Daniel Snyder is the opposite. He's yeah, half involved <laughs> and a terrible marketer. Man. So check out that story it's at ESPN.com.
0: Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A
0: couple things I want to get to. We went a little long on that, but I still want to get to a couple things. Dominique, one thing you and I talk about in various ways is the black quarterback situation, right? I know that's all we be talking about. Yeah, okay. But there's still interesting things that are going on here. Number one, shout out to you, Geno Smith. Because we don't normally get to hang around long enough to mess around. You look up and he's good. Geno Smith is 32, 33 years old. I can't remember which one it is. That man's career, when you really stop and think about it, that man has some bad luck, right? Bad luck, number one. And I contend this is huge. That dude, Nolan Naraki, the dude that worked for Pro Football Weekly, and I don't mm-hmm. know... Well, I know where he wound up working next, but whatever the dude that they eventually let go because he would write these racially tinged profiles that would always tend to go a little too hard on the black folks. Uh, And by the way, after Pro Football Weekly let him go, he got a job with John Gruden. Just in case you were curious as to whether or not maybe (laughs) just maybe race has something to do with what was going on. Um, But. He wrote that scathing draft profile of Geno Smith, and the problem with it was, not that he thought that Geno Smith wasn't going to be good, because we had years to indicate that that may be the case, is that he took a guy that was a noted film rat and basically said he was lazy, and that he didn't study, and that he didn't care about his craft, which was not true, and now clearly is not true, right? Right. But that tagged Geno as the black quarterback, right? Then he signed with Rock Nation. Then he goes to the Jets, this laughingstock franchise. Stock got so bad on Geno that somebody broke his jaw over some bullshit. and people were trying to find a reason to blame him for it, right? He sits out a year because Ryan Fitzpatrick has the best year of his life. Comes back the next year, Ryan Fitzpatrick plays like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Geno gets his job back, tears his ACL, that game. Winds up getting to be the backup behind Eli Manning. Eli starts stinking it up. Ben McAdoo benches Eli, puts Gino in. People were so offended by the idea that Eli got to keep his job for two more years. And, and Ben McAdoo got fired, right? Yeah. So Geno sat, he rolled the oak in all these places. Because remember that year he got his jaw broken. The word was he had really taken a step up, right? Mm-hmm. And when we saw him play after that, he didn't look great, but he didn't look like he had previously. Now the dude gets to play like four or five weeks in a row for the first time since the year 2014. And I don't know if you did like film breakdown on that Saints game. Um, I'm on a new, uh, newsletter that did. Geno was dealing, my goodness. <laughs> like, like. next time they tell you that with a rookie, well, you can't get better by not playing. That is wholly incorrect. Because Geno Smith ain't played in seven years. And he was dealing.
1: Yeah. He... Uh, It's hard to, because I think uh, you walked through all that really well. And I think I probably internalized some of the stuff that was out there and accepted it to be fact. But the point you made off the top, they normally don't allow us to stay around long enough. That should have told us. If you got, (laughs) you know, you got a black quarterback who's hung around the league this long as a backup. He must got something because I, 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 like, why are you keeping, why are you keeping him around unless you think that he actually can win you some games? That's just not how it works. The backup quarterback is like the quarterback coach's friend, a friend of the starting quarterback, somebody like that, a coach's son, like <laughs> these are somebody who knows somebody who knows something about it. Like that's, that's who the backup quarterback is, unless you have like a real one of these high level backups. And so for Geno to bounce around all these teams and um, stick in all these places and have Ben McAdoo, Ben McAdoo of all people, I don't know not that much about him, but he don't strike me as a progressive thinker. <laughs> ben McAdoo was like, this guy gives us the best chance to win. My job is on the line. Let's put him in there. You know? And so for all that, like, yeah, you're right. But I wasn't expecting much out of Geno this year. I expected them to stink and him to stink. And they don't stink and he's good. Yo, and Pete Carroll is like, say something about me now.
0: What you got, dog? I'm just saying. Pete, nobody. And who knows how this all plays out, right? Like Russell Wilson might get to hang in his new offense. Everything be okay. Geno could fall apart for the rest of the year. But for right now, right now, Pete Carroll like, you got a problem with me, say it to me now. I told you, all, I, told you I ain't need to put, put up with all of that. I told you I will need that. Let me tell you, let Gino keep balling and let them stories start coming out of Seattle. Like, dude, what a leader. What a great guy. Everybody loves him. Pete Carroll is like, I
1: did this. I told y'all. Can't wait for the profile that they do on Geno Smith. He keep balling right now by QBR is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Gino Smith. <laughs> I won't read the names afterwards because it hurts the credibility of the claim that I'm making <laughs> Cooper Rush to Kobe Percet. But <laughs> the point is Gino is doing his damn thing out there. And he, he's doing it with uh, less support, decidedly less support than everybody else on that list. Like Mahomes got more support, I would think. Uh, Allen does. Cooper certainly does. Jacoby Brissett certainly does. Herbert's after that and Lamar's after that. Like Jalen Hurts after that. Do you know he's doing his thing and Russell Wilson winning that Super Bowl and having some good seasons after like just changed because we all expe- accepted that it was antiquated as Pete Carroll that was the problem. Mm-hmm. And maybe we making too much out of this season, but it sure seemed like Pete won the problem and Russ ain't the solution yeah
0: that's the best way to put it that's that's Mm -hmm. the best way to put it right away speaking of the black quarterback uh situation we got uh two americans rivalry week though it's not really two americans we got chiefs bills uh josh allen josh allen out here on the duke basketball tour i'm gonna take down all your black heroes like (laughs) lamar jackson Already, right he caught that he caught the l uh it last week he caught the l E- week, before, week, before, yep. week before week before week before week before because they played the Bengals the Ravens played the Bengals last oh, week right, right, so it's the week before now he's out here uh with Patrick Mahomes and there is very much a Willie Mays Mickey Mantle sort of situation that goes on with the Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes thing because look man Mahomes is the one until you give me a hell of a reason to think that he's not Josh Allen gets out here and wins a Super Bowl that's normally what it's going to require for you mm-hmm. but The way we talk about Josh Allen, and by the way, the way we talk about him is earned. Somehow, we stop talking about Patrick Mahomes that way, like he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, he's still, he has a level of accomplishment at this point in his career that you can't say that any other quarterback, at least I can think of, could say that they had. Like, team success plus individual success. He's still out here balling. He's still out here killing it. And... We are in such a rush to make the Josh Allen thing into more
1: than it is when what it
0: is is already incredible.
1: Yeah, we, we love new. And, I mean, I think a lot of men can understand and agree with me. Women, too, I guess. But, new but Dominique, is better.
0: he came in the league one year after Mahomes. They became starters at the same time. Josh Allen ain't even new. He's just white
1: he's white but and I, I mean i'm certainly not discrediting the impact that that's had he's new he's white but he's there's still story to be told for him like let's be honest the what what you said about patrick mahomes the start of his career like we ain't got no stories to tell on patrick mahomes
0: <laughs> yeah he's you in know? the hall of fame already
1: yeah ain't no it ain't no mountains left to climb <laughs> for patrick mahomes like he's going to continue to climb them but there is something and like, I don't want to discredit all the other factors that are engaging us. I think that his his whiteness does have something to do with the way that people celebrate him. The way that people were down on him before the draft has something to do with the way we're celebrating him. But more than anything, the way he's playing is, uh, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. And all that makes a good story. And the fact that he's still climbing, we're still watching this, waiting for the season finale. Patrick Mahomes that already got to the season finale. We know who lives and dies in this story. Right. But the
0: story on Josh Allen as it relates to Mahomes needs to be when you going to overcome this. Yes, they won that game in the regular season. So I don't want to pretend as though, you know, there has not been a victory, but this is your, this is your overcome. You are Peyton Manning. He is Tom Brady, except the difference is Peyton Manning was better than Tom Brady while they were making that climb. Mahomes is still better than Josh Allen is. Now, what I think kind of makes it interesting and where it gets fun, and this is where like race and quarterbacking, as we talked about, like the whole Jaheim thing. At first, they need to run more Jaheim plays. They started running Jaheim plays, and it unlocked just Josh Allen. Nobody makes the argument. Well, if you just figure out how to keep him still, then you won't wind up having the problems. You know what I mean? Like that was never used as in a way to discredit him. So what happens is Josh Allen now has this other. Way that he can do things that Mahomes kind of can, but it's not nearly, you know, Josh Allen's more like Cam Newton, right? Like it's yeah. not nearly the same. But to me, it becomes interesting because now we're like, yeah, but you got to remember, Josh Allen has that added dimension. Yo, this is, these were never the rules when the added dimensions were coming from other people it was never that right Ugh, but these yeah. are these are the two best teams in the afc right like this is one of those where you look at it and you can't call it a super bowl preview cuz they in different conferences but you do feel like this will be an afc championship preview or they're going to meet in the playoffs once again cuz look josh allen played so well in that game against the chiefs in the playoffs in the last playoffs. year in the division round the other dude got them into field goal range in 12 seconds to I win flip. the game, that's all I'm saying. Like, there's nothing, Josh, there's nothing more Josh Allen could have done. They left the field with the lead,
1: I, and that dude got him down the field in 12 seconds. I'm so mad at the second half of that Bengals game for the Chiefs because while we remember how great that game was for Mahomes and Allen, it's an all-time classic. Mahomes, you got to go ahead and win the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. <laughs> so we can remember this run. I need to remember this run forever. <laughs> we still talk about that game. Is You think how, how rare it is that we have playoff games that didn't have anyone who even made it to the Super Bowl in it that we still talking about? Like how often – I was going to say the, the, um, the Music City Miracle, but they went to the Super Bowl and lost. Like didn't even That's get right. to the Super Bowl. We don't talk about playoff games, that Frank Reich game. Yeah, we just, and we're going to, this playoff game is not going to be something that we soon forget. I wish Mahomes would have won the Super Bowl. There's actually
0: actually one. The immaculate reception was not in a Steelers Super Bowl year. Oh, they didn't even make it? No, I think that was in 1970, the 1972 season. And the Steelers didn't win their first one until 74. That's the one, right? But that even then, that required the most what play that has ever happened uh, in the history of anything. We also by the way, we got Cowboys and the uh Eagles. We'll see if the Cowboys are dumb enough to throw Jack Prescott out there. I'm on I'm like not nah, if, if if it's I'm not sure he can't play. If the issue was is the thumb, we're not we're not doing this. But man, this boy Jalen Hurts trying to make me a believer and I am not a believer at all. I have I, I've just been like I, I'm very good for him, but yeah. not a believer. But man,
1: he just looking at me like what you want me to do, dog? Yeah, I mean the only the people who are not believers all you have left to hold on to is do it in a big game yes <laughs> and then if he does it this week then you got do it in the playoffs uh, but that's that's all you I mean you got plenty of time to still hang on to it because you're like hey yeah it's September October with a uh, talent advantage in every game that they've had like yeah you out here Alabama Jalen. that's different yep that's different than what we asking of you. So yeah, the reason why, and we've talked about this before, about you and I, where where you are and your um ability, <laughs> yeah, your journey to avoid personal biases. You're further down that road than me. So I'm predisposed to want Jalen Hurts to succeed. And I'm looking for reasons to believe in him. <laughs> And I had those reasons uh, last season and this season. So coming this season, I believed him. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs. So the one major drawback against him was, or knock against him, was like playing from the pocket and also like rolling left and that sort of stuff. He's done those things well. The knock against him is like you ain't done it against anybody good yet or in high leverage situations. But they put that man in prime time against the Vikings, and he – went to work like that was the that was his big moment to me like his coming out party like oh yeah this is really real if he can continue to do that the problem is nobody's perfect all year and when you when people are like already positioned to want to hate on you you can't slip up at all Mm-mm. and he mess around have a bad game at the wrong time and everybody be like see he can't <laughs> he can't beat nobody good it's like okay everybody loses but we'll see what happens
0: by the way uh lamar as i'm talking about the josh allen tour lamar get to come up and play against the giants in the daniel jones situation speaking of people i told i told you this a long time ago man it's been a tough decade and change for the white quarterback man people doing a lot of work to try to hold on to whatever chance that they wind up happen i would recommend to lamar jackson to get you a dub uh, sir, um, in this, in this game here, or you're going to hear a lots about it. And I'm going to hear way more about these mediocre giants than I want to like the giants are absolutely for me on the, Hey, I can't blame you for winning the games you played. Right? Like, like you won the games that you played. That's what it's supposed to be. Let me get a look at what their point differential is. Cause I feel like it's not that significant. Nah. They they are four and one, and the point differential is a whopping plus ten. Mm-hmm. To put that in context, the Jaguars are two and three with a point differential of plus thirty-one. That's not good. That's Minnesota, uh, by the way, too. Minnesota got a point differential of plus thirteen on their four and one.
1: Yeah. That's so. The Giants, I think what's most interesting about the Giants is they knew they were in the rebuild before this season started. I hope they don't think that they not.
0: <laughs> you know, like,
1: don't, yeah, don't let it think, don't let these couple wins convince you that you're not in the rebuild. If you're watching these games, the way that they're winning, like, it's something that we're giving a lot of credit to the coaches for. You know why? Because we don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I think that. Dayball is obviously a a step up from their recent coaches. Their recent coaches were like real high risk decisions. Um, Brian Dayball feels like a more traditional way to go about it. And so like, for whatever it's worth, I know it wasn't as ugly as the Urban Meyer situation where we just use like, oh, back to normalcy. Like based on what I understand about what was happening there, it is obviously not that big a jump, but this is like, there's a, a bit to be gained just from going from what was happening before to like something that's normal Mm -hmm. and like being competitive in these one score games means that you're going to sometimes win more than you lose. We'll see what happens at the rest of this year, but this does not feel like the reason why it matters so much. And I don't know if you've touched on this at all, but it's something we've talked about it on like other football shows is this is a decision year for Daniel Jones and for Saquon Barkley. And you can't franchise them both. What decision you're going to make, I don't know, but I feel like the cap flexibility to rebuild this roster in the right way is more valuable than uh, holding on to either or both of those players. But if they make a playoff run, I don't know what you do, and then they're going to convince themselves that another year under Dayball, Daniel Jones is going to be. Jaheem. Hey, hey, saw all with Blake Bortles.
0: It happened once. It, yep. it, it happened once. By the way, uh, one thing I just noticed, oh, boy, Russell Wilson's playing on national television again this week. They have the Monday night game. Yo, let me tell you something, too, man. Apple News want me to hate Russell Wilson. They gave me a Russell Wilson section that I did not request, and all it was <laughs> was all these different team blogs saying, glad we don't have Russell Wilson. That's all it was. But number two, before we go, and maybe I shouldn't do this as we're moving quick, but Fred friend pointed this out. Steve Wilkes, the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers, after they fired Matt Rule. Steve Wilkes is um, the one of the plaintiffs in that coaching lawsuit, the Brian Flores suit, right? Oh. He got the interim gig um, after they let Matt Rule go. And the first thing he did was fire Matt Rule's defensive coordinator and put a brother named Al in charge of that defense. He may not get his reparations in court, ladies and gentlemen. But he was gonna get a
1: little something, something right here. Yeah, the Steve Wilkes, I mean, I don't know if he's a good coach or not. It felt like he got a bad deal in Arizona. He got one season and there's a chance that he was a terrible coach and Andy to get him out there. But they gave him one season and brought in Cliff Kingsbury, which didn't seem to make sense. But it feels like the interim job is to black like we talked about this before. they black jobs in coaching. Mm-hmm. That, like, they're gonna go ahead and give a black guy the job in Houston when everything falls apart and then replace that black guy with another black guy. They're not bringing in people to take over that Jacksonville job. Like, those are not the jobs that the black coaches get. But interim coach? Oh, they can't wait to give you 10 weeks to prove yourself <laughs> and, and then feel good about themselves after you failed with the team that obviously was headed down the wrong path or you wouldn't have fired the other coach. Like, that's that's the Terry Terry Rabisky special. Yeah, he, li- he lived that life. Yeah, that seems like it's a, it's a terrible thing. So, like, I, I kind of fully expected a black coach to get that interim job, but we'll see what happens when they come back around. If you remember when Matt Rule was hired, um, what's the guy – Tepper's? Mm-hmm. Oh, Tepper's. Tepper's, yeah. Tepper, yeah. Yeah, Tepper was... He made that quote when he hired Matt Rule that he reminded him of myself. And <laughs> that was like a damning quote for all the like people who recognize the issues in coaching hire. so we'll see what he does when he get another chance and it's not like it went well hiring somebody who remind you of yourself and uh yeah, yeah, nah, he look here uh, Steve Wilson's like we gonna do it my way like he just he just walked in and was like
0: okay uh, the way i saw the report was that he had philosophical differences uh with that defensive coordinator which screams out to me how i'm working for him yeah right look, how- look, 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 look at me look at him <laughs> how, how 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 that how that me. How'd that be? But Matt Rule. the thing I'll say about them firing Matt Rule is, and I didn't follow them enough to know like the ups and downs and everything else, but they just, they kept going like halfway on the quarterback situation. And I am all good with teams that look around and say, hey, there's not a quarterback here. We're not going to like, like I think Pittsburgh jumped in a year where they didn't, where there wasn't a quarterback. And I fear that they're going to wind up being done because they're invested a first round pick in a guy that ain't that dude. And there's going to be quarterbacks in this draft and they're going to have a great pick in it, and they won't be the ones who can ultimately do it. But they were halfway, like, let's give up a second and a third or something like that for Sam Darnold, right? Like, let's let's nickel and dime a little bit and try to get uh, Baker Mayfield. No, 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 no. That that right there, like, you might as well have gone and got Jalen Hurts. Like, you had an opportunity. Like, that would have been a better play than I can be the one to fix Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was so bad in these previous years that he going to need to spend seven years on the Oak like Geno Smith. And then maybe he come out looking like
1: something. Yeah. And that, that's his only hope. And he will bounce around. He'll be a, a serviceable um, backup for a lot of places. But when you don't have a quarterback, I think there's, there's a couple ways you can go about it. The most important thing you can do is to make a place uh, like inviting for a quarterback and have some minimal success with like a bad quarterback, bringing in first round picks who have already proven not to be the guy, I feel like raise the expectations around you and you are going to fail. It just, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense the way, and you brought up the Steelers. I'm interested to see what they do with their high draft pick this coming season. Like I argue that they should trade it and rebuild. Like I think that roster is the timing for the roster is all off and the holes in the roster in the wrong place, bringing in a quarterback. Unless you, find somebody who, or unless you see somebody in there who you think is, like, generational, like Mahomes, and which also wasn't the number one overall pick, and Josh Allen, who was not number one overall pick, and, like, Lamar Jackson, who was the number overall pick. Like, you can find the right guy, if the situation is right, later in the draft. It's so rare that you get a quarterback, like, high that is, like, you drop him in. I think Peyton Manning comes to mind against Joe Burrow, even though they're not consistent out there. Those are the only times where I feel like you dropped a good quarterback in a crap situation. Everything got better around them. The Steelers need to trade that pick, stockpile, and rebuild this roster, and, and then worry about the quarterback. Then, yeah. Well, my other thing is,
0: aside from Lamar Jackson, which is a special situation for a number of reasons. If you getting that dude between fifteen and thirty-two, just wait till the second round. Like, if nobody yeah. thought enough of this dude to jump up sooner to like if you getting that dude from 15 to 32 what this is telling me is you the only person that feels this way and i remember that realization hit me when washington took haskins right because it seemed ridiculous that the giants wouldn't take haskins i mean obviously we saw that he just didn't he didn't have it or hadn't found it um but when washington was able to sit there and nobody else wanted to get haskins that was a warning sign yeah. right there. Like that's why I wasn't even mad at a uh, gentleman when he took Daniel Jones number six, regardless of how you felt about Daniel Jones. If you thought he was the dude, then you needed to get him at six, right? Yeah. Like that would be the place. So now, we gonna it's 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 going to be interesting to see with these teams that need these quarterbacks how you figure this out because they just don't make that many of them. They just mm-hmm. they they don't roll out that many that you can get. like Cowboys super lucky, stumbled upon. Dak Prescott when they wanted to take Paxton Lynch, right? Like, you got a better chance at that, I think, than finding your quarterback at number 20.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, Dak Prescott is evidence, is more evidence of my theory, is stop chasing quarterbacks, eh? Like, you don't know, you can't find them. Build up a roster. And you build up a roster, it gives you time, it gives your quarterback time, if your quarterback is good. I don't. I don't think the difference in quarterbacks is so vast that – It matters, honestly. I think what matters more is putting them in a good situation. And it's true of all the great quarterbacks in the game right now. They all came into good situations, which gave them time to develop into good players. Uh, It's just not. It seems that people have this basketball mentality about the quarterback position. And I guess it's our fault because we cover quarterbacks so much more because it's only names y'all know, only people y'all care about. But I don't think that quarterbacks have that type of impact on teams. I could be wrong, but it seems like the evidence suggests that all the good quarterbacks in the game right now came into good situations and got better because that situation allowed them to succeed early and then allowed the coaching staff to put a little more on their plate, a little more on the plate. The tough thing about being a bad team and getting a top-level quarterback is everything on his plate on day one like <laughs> and and ain't nobody there to help him. if they was there if the boys was there they wouldn't have been drafting where they are so i don't know i think it's a mistake to go quarterback hunting in the first round everybody wrong anyway <laughs> and that is dominique foxworth check him out
0: on Anscape. check him out on get up check him out on first take check out the dominique foxworth show with he and charlie kravitz he everywhere baby i appreciate you man
1: yeah working too much <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah check him out on the me the com show
1: oh everywhere. and of course check them out on fosberg friday yeah you do you do got a list <laughs> yeah all right brother i appreciate it i'm gonna go
0: take a nap hey man all good and ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for joining us here On the right time, we do this three times a week. Adi Khan and Dan Stanchi handle things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, hit the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. Let us know your stories about that time you co-signed on somebody's loan and learned that you should not co-sign on people's loans. You want to extend it just loaning people money, you can feel free to do that too. 860-516-4119 four one one nine remember to follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars I'm inclined to believe you are a hater we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy
1: thanks for checking out the right time with Bomani Jones podcast
0: you can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts
1: the right time
0: with Bomani Jones.